0: I'm Jay Moran.
1: I'm Bridget Jai-Paul Valenzo. I'm Thomas O'Neill-White.
2: I'm Angelie Preston.
1: We need to get together and let our voices be heard.
0: This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real
3: healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths.
0: What's
1: Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's east side and beyond.
3: In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children.
0: And welcome to What's Next. As a matter of fact, we're going to be talking about teaching our children. As a matter of fact, our full hour here on education. We're going to be talking with David Russ, executive director of Say Yes, Buffalo. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Good morning,
0: Jay. Glad to be here. A uh, real pleasure. Uh, so much to talk about when it comes to education. And, and you've uh, agreed to, to take on any issue here for us uh, this morning. We do appreciate that. But uh, let's maybe just take a, a little moment to, to step back. I can recall the announcement in 2011 about Say Yes. It sounded like a fantasy that... Uh, Kids from uh, Buffalo Public Schools, charter schools, would have an opportunity to get scholarships to go to whatever secondary institution that they they sought. Um, that was the fantasy, or it sounded like a fantasy back then. Where are we right now?
3: It is real. Say yes has been ingrained in this community. It is making a difference, both in terms of educational outcomes for students in the city of Buffalo— those looking to move on to college as an employer, and we can talk about all that today, Jay. So uh, we're in a terrific spot. You know, we launched this in 2011, 2012, as you're aware, and it was a big promise that was made, and one that is unique and rare in our country. Uh, So we stepped out with the promise that every student that completed their high school degree in the city of Buffalo, whether in a public or charter school, that we would support their tuition and in some cases more to go on to a post-secondary program. We view that as a certificate, a two-year degree, a four-year degree. Uh, we've since added on apprenticeship. We can talk about that later too. And it was incredible. You know, students can attend any public college in New York State. You know, our strong SUNY and CUNY system, and 100 private colleges around the country. Um, you know, that was funded through the generosity of a lot of individuals here in Western New York. It was strangers helping strangers initially. You know, when we started this. Uh, we secured $29 million to fund scholarships for Buffalo Public School graduates over the last decade. That was from the fall of 2013 through the spring of 2023. If it worked, we decided that we would try and endow a scholarship fund so that this promise of post-secondary for everyone would be here forever. Uh, we are wrapping up our campaign June 30th. Uh, we have around 6 or $7 million to go, which means we've raised $58 or $59 million for students in Buffalo. And if you think the po- about the power of that endowment, Jay, you know, 100 years from now, that'll be bigger, still helping students. It's an extraordinary investment in young people here. And, you know, there's some good things happening in Buffalo. If we can directly talk about things or where, there's, where there's opportunities to do better. And I would just say, if, you know, I, I, everybody in this community has potential. Not everyone has been given opportunity. And Say Yes is about opportunity for all. And, you know, access to a good education and a good job is going to help us, period. And that was the root of Say Yes. Uh, so when you were recalling where we were 11 years ago, the promise still is still here and uh, it's going to be here forever.
0: Uh, one of the things that we could talk about that is a good trend, yeah. high school graduation rates in the city of Buffalo, I believe, what, up 30 points? Is, do I have that correct? Um, you feel that's directly attributed to the, the existence of Say Yes.
3: We've been a part of it. Mm-hmm. I have a deep respect for the work that happens in our public schools every single day. They do good work, and they do it often in challenging circumstances, so we absolutely did not do that alone. I think we had a part of it. I think the district would say that as well. You know, we are a key strategic partner to the public schools. So. You know, if you're gonna do the work we're doing, if you're asking people for their time, their political will, and their resources, you have to deliver on outcomes. So a couple data points I would point at, yes, the graduation rate in the Buffalo Public Schools has gone up from forty-nine percent to seventy-nine percent. It is held at that as regents exams have returned. Post secondary entrance is up seventeen percent, post-secondary completion is up fourteen percent. So you'd be hard pressed to find a city anywhere else in the country that hasn't been able to maintain systems level gains like that over a decade. There's a lifetime of work in front of us. You know, nobody's building statues of themselves, but we are happy about the progress. It has helped thousands of students. You know, if we had stayed where we were at a 49% graduation rate, today we would have 4,386 less graduates of our public schools. Um, That is brain and economic power that would be sitting on the sidelines in our community. So, yeah, the data points have worked. Uh, And again, there's some work to do, but, you know, it's come a long way, Jay.
0: I would think that, for the most part, most parents probably—I know—I would be very uh, attuned to the fact that there's an opportunity for my child to to go uh, to a post-second or to a secondary education, post-secondary education opportunity, uh, free of charge. So, but at the same time, there's got to be—I think—that student will. How has Say Yes gone about making sure that the students, the those kids in those classrooms, know what's out there for them?
3: Well, there's a lot of avenues to approach that. You know, when we, first of all, when we were fundraising for this 10, 11 years ago, um, we got some fair questions about, you know, if students don't have proper food, clothing, shelter, if they need extended learning time support, a scholarship ultimately won't matter. So, you know, I'd mentioned we employ around 200 people now at Say Yes, Buffalo, amazing team, 70% people of color, working hard every day to ensure that students can reach his or her full potential. And we've built a suite of programs in the public schools and in partnership with our colleges and employers now to ensure that students can access that promise. Much of this is funded by the public schools, Erie County, and the city of Buffalo at this point in time. Our public partners have really stepped forward. So exactly what is available is as students enter the public schools, we screen them for social-emotional readiness. Uh, we're now instructing three-year-old programs in Buffalo's public schools. This is a model co-funded by Erie County and the Buffalo Public Schools. So students enter as three-year-olds. They get full access to the district and the SAS services and supports. They move directly to the district's universal pre-K program and right into kindergarten. So amazing early access to supports. Uh, we have social service caseworkers in buildings. We have health caseworkers in buildings. We've helped to work with all of our behavior and mental health agencies to embed a satellite mental health clinic in every public school in the city. Um, We have civil legal services available. So if a family is having challenges with family law, immigration, housing, access to benefits, that volunteer lawyers will help them secure what they need so that they can ultimately be successful. Uh, the Buffalo Public Schools is funding after school in every building. We partner with the Buffalo Public Schools on these incredible Saturday academies. You know, if you come out on Saturday, Jay, buildings are open. There's two meals. There's structured recreation where students can learn to swim and play soccer and basketball. There's one-to-one math and English. There's enrichment programming where students are learning to build a satellite using Z-Lab goggles. Or they're coding, coding for kids. There's wow. engineering for kids. Amazing talent discovery, you know. i um, That's just what's available, you know, in the K-12 system, which is comprehensive. You know, as students move on then, we've got mentoring available for students. There's internships. There's a Boys and Men of Color initiative, which is a mentoring program and a Big Brother-type program for students as they move along their pathway. Um, You know, I could go on, but that is, you know, what is different than we had a decade ago. And I guess the point I'm making is we've had pockets of greatness in Buffalo for a long time, and we need those pockets of greatness, good programming. This work work was meant to be systemic, to provide access to opportunity to everybody and then build a suite of programming in the public schools that would allow students to ultimately get the services he or she may need on their path to a post-secondary education.
0: In talking about those services, I think you somewhat framed it, but I want to get into it, the obstacles, right? One, you know, I think if my parents had heard that you could uh, get free education uh, in four years when I was going into high school, they would have uh, made sure that, uh, you know, get after it go after it you know and you know i'm fortunate enough that i did actually make it through a four-year school somehow but uh the point i'm trying to get to here is or the question is what's what's what are we seeing and this must be just be something that you're learning year in and year out what are those obstacles for kids to find their way to obviously an incredible opportunity
3: yeah um I mean, the obstacles are plenty, right? And they show up every day in the public schools. We we often say our students have complicated lives and they are forced to grow up quicker than they may need to. But the reality is this is what's in front of them. So, you know, I think a lot of people in this community care about poverty and understand the impact it can have. It is really challenging. It can be devastating, right? You're talking about taking a couple buses every single day. You may not have had a meal the night before or a meal that morning Um are the parents of our students are working often multiple jobs to pull together their living often living in substandard housing and this is what presents every single day the challenges are real they can be devastating to some people um, so the point is here that these services help um, is it perfect no is there more work to do always but they have systemic we have systemically helped work with our public school system to put these types of services directly in the schools to help students to help families so that ultimately they can access the the education and a job and have economic mobility. You know, at the end of the day, I think, Jay, we want similar things, Um, access to a safe street, a good home, access to a good education and opportunity after that. And this is working to build the infrastructure so that we can get to that end in mind, you know, a post-secondary degree and access to a good job so that students don't have the challenges that they they have today. 20 years from now, their families don't.
0: Talking about... um the realities of poverty. I'm curious if, if you have an understanding of this, or whether it's anecdotal or or through statistics. The graduation rate's much better in the, the the city of Buffalo. But what about the the problems of poverty, uh, the reality of poverty in the city of Buffalo? I, I know for a long time it was always somewhat uh, I, I hate to use the word championed about, but that Buffalo was the third poorest city in in the country. I don't know if that's still the case. But what about that? Are those issues, are, even though there's success showing up in graduation rates and kids going off to college, are, the, are the, the challenges maybe even greater now than they were 10 years ago?
3: So that's the problem. Like To me, it's what are we going to do about the solutions, right? And Say Yes is a long-term solution to economic mobility, to help poverty. I mean, i viewed... We can be viewed as working in the education space, we actually do. I view us working in the education space, the young person space, the economic mobility and economic development space, and also anti-poverty, working against the conditions. And you know, we have the scholarship promise. All those programs are meant to protect the investment of the scholarship and alleviate the challenges that got us here in the first place. Now, you know, I've got the, the family income of our, our students right here. You know, For our students that are enrolled in college right now, Certificate two year degree or four year degree 34% had family income below $25,000. So that equates to living in poverty. 40% are below 30,000. It is right there. 55% are below 40,000 and two thirds are below 50,000. Those are challenging economic means. You know, so we view Say Yes not just as let's get a certificate two year degree or four year degree. We want students to get a good-paying job after, right? And right now, data is pegging a living wage is forty-five to 55000 in the region. We want students to have access to those jobs and have a, a career progression that's going to allow them to earn a good living and not have to live in the challenging circumstances many of them have grown up in, Jay. they
0: say yes, uh, we'll call them. Kids say a scholars, how's as, that? Say as scholars. I like scholars. Uh scholars. Now, of course, now we've had some returns, right? We've uh, seen them go off to college and uh, graduate. What are we seeing from our say as scholars after they graduate? Are they getting those types of jobs that uh, that you're targeting?
3: So, I'll talk a little bit about the students, then the jobs, and then where we're going okay. to, because there is we are growing in our workforce access initiatives and portfolio, at would say yes. But to start with, we have 3,000-plus college completers. Uh, 62% have completed a bachelor's degree, 34% an associate's degree, 4% a certificate. Uh, The common themes we're seeing are human services, business, communications, and sciences. For the bachelors, our associates are often in medical, criminal justice, and business fields, and then certificates are largely medical and criminal justice. So we're seeing the types of degrees that our students are coming out with. Um, we ran some data a few years back, and we wanted to understand students that had completed a two-year degree or a four-year degree with, say, support, what was their wage attainment a few years post-degree completion compared to, say, the suburban markets. And we wanted to understand job access. So there was a wage gap, you know, and this is a – you've probably seen some of the data out of the Community Foundation around the isolation index in town, which is significant. It often means it can be a who do you know town when it comes to jobs. So, you know, and also I had just shared that data on family income. One of the lessons we've learned is because you finish the college, we want to help you get the job. Right. We needed to play a direct role in that. And also free college can be too expensive for some students. Hmm. You know, about 70 percent of students that complete um, their high school degree are taking advantage of the say scholarship. The other 30 percent are going right to work. So we started to build and innovate around what are options for that 30 percent, and to help students get quicker pathways into the workforce, which also allows us to help students directly access good jobs. And we settled on what we were calling a modern youth apprenticeship program. So we launched this work two years ago. Students that graduate Buffalo Public Schools they can go directly to work at places like M&T Bank, Riches, Wegmans, Moog, the Buffalo News. Um, There's opportunities. There. Opportunities, yeah. And it's a three-year model for the most part. There's some differentiation within that. And over the course of three years, they're working 15 hours a week year one, 20 hours a week year two, 25 year three. They're taking one to two courses per semester. And the goal is at the end, they've got a certificate or a two-year degree and a job access at the back end. So a very relevant example of that is we've got a young man, Damien, that graduated from Hutch Tech. He's working in accounting at m They've got him in accounts receivable. He is taking business and finance courses related to the job at Hilbert College. He's in the second year of his apprenticeship. And on the back end, he's going to have at minimum that certificate or two-year degree and a job offer from m and Bank in the $45,000 range or above. Uh, we had another young man that is working at Tesla now. He got a one-year mechatronics degree from Northland. okay, And he is making $67,000 at Tesla with the one-year program through the apprenticeship model. So, so this is
0: a 20 year old who's making $67,000 a yeah. year. Wow.
3: Quickly. So I think it's important for SAS to continue to innovate and to meet the needs of our students and families. So, you know, when you ask what our students are doing, we are always we're a degree-bearing organization. Those 3,000 plus students that have earned a certificate, a 2-year degree, a 4-year degree, many of them are working here in the region, taking on good jobs. We're always going to do that, and the apprenticeship work is another part of our portfolio that we can help direct, directly link students to the workforce in a meaningful way to move to, you know, family living wages here, Jay.
0: We're talking with uh, David Russ, the executive director of Say Yes Buffalo. Lots to talk about here in this hour of uh, what's next. Uh, just jumping back, it, we, we touched upon those uh, those Saturday programs that are uh, all the school buildings are open how many, What do we know how many kids are taking advantage of, of those opportunities? I mean, I, 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 your realm is, you know, you're, you're, you've got a kind of an expansive realm here where you seem to have a, a, a hand in a little bit of everything. But do, do we understand how how popular those particular opportunities are?
3: They're incredibly popular. You know, the year before the pandemic hit, we were on track for almost 70,000 visits on Saturdays in Buffalo. Um, so there's 23 or 24 designated community schools Uh, They're each open once a month. They're spread around the city. And so if you come out this Saturday, you'll see a couple hundred people in the buildings there. Um, And they work, too. You know, I think, again, I go back to when you ask people their time, their political will, and their money. You have to provide outcomes. You know, we've learned that once students show up three times to a Saturday academy, their academic scores are going up, their school attendance is going up, and any type of discipline referrals are dropping. Wow. So that's an investment that is, is proving returns. Um, academically and socially. So it was, I think, a really strong vision. So the resources for this were largely led by the majority leader, Crystal People Stokes. I mean, she was a champion of the community schools model and brought the resources to Buffalo. You know, at that point in time, we worked closely with the district to execute so that people would show up. I mean, people weren't used to coming to a right. school on a Saturday, no, you know? No. <laughs> we uh, we hired an amazing woman to lead the work, Tanya Staples, and we always wanted to know if we were gonna have a party and would anybody show up. <laughs> and people are showing up, you know? So, um, and as we've returned from the pandemic over the last few years, we are seeing attendance increasing again year by year. So broadly utilized, open for all, and it's a great visit if you ever wanna come out, Jay.
0: I would love to come out, definitely. Yeah. Uh, pandemic, you've brought it up a couple yeah. of times here now. Uh, what kind of setback was that for, say yes, and just you know, overall uh, education, not only here in the city of Buffalo, I guess, but uh, and we most certainly have heard about it elsewhere across the country. But what about it? You, know, you, you, you're probably there sweating over the realities of all of these things and how to how to counteract uh, the reality of, of of the pandemic. What was it like?
3: Well, the fact is, it happened at the same point in time. We were dealing with a lot of racial injustice in the country, and you. you Put these two things together, and it was a really challenging time for young people. Um, so, one of the things we did was we, in partnership with Erie County and the Buffalo Public Schools, and a lot of community-based organizations and churches and childcare centers, opened up virtual learning centers. The county funded the bulk of it. The Buffalo Public Schools committed financial resources as well. And one of the things we were hearing is that parents were had to leave their job because they had to be home with their students, and that was bad economically, bad socially. So. You know, we opened up 50 virtual learning centers. Um, 3,000 students were dropped off every day so they could do their virtual learning work, have a few meals, some recreation time. That was one example. A lot of our programs were live. We were delivering food. I mean, there were stories of, you know, everyday people in Buffalo doing extraordinary things every day to help their neighbors and to help their their community. I think coming out of this, I think we saw that the virtual learning was really difficult and that everyone was, was happy to get back live. But... You know, the fact is people really suffered during that. You know, you saw that one in seven adults in the community were hungry and a lot of people lost their jobs. I think we are still below the total number of jobs in the region that we had before the pandemic. So the pandemic may be over, but the impact is not.
0: Um, When it comes to uh, your workforce, it was interesting how you mentioned that 70 percent are people of color. I think you said you have almost 200 people Mm -hmm. on staff, obviously. Intentional to have people of color working inside the, the city, inside the city schools for Say Yes?
3: Yeah, it's important, period, I think, regardless of industry, regardless of what type of work you're doing. So we are a diverse organization. We're stronger for that. We have amazing, talented individuals. We often say Say Yes is a lifestyle, not a job. There's a deep <laughs> commitment to the work. And our goal is that people have the opportunity to, to move up internally and to move out externally, too. You know, I think there's an incredible set of leaders in this city right now, a diverse set of leaders that are ready and willing to step up and, and take the reins on what's going to happen next in the next 20 to 30 years here. We have a lot of that talent at Say Yes. I see a lot of that talent elsewhere. But we work hard to be a strong, inclusive employer. You know, last year we, we don't do this every year, but uh, we finished number one in the Buffalo News Survey on large employers locally. Um, and I'm happy about that. I'm happy that people feel they can come to work, that they're valued, that they have a chance to – their voice is heard. They have a chance to be themselves. They've got a chance to grow their career there. Uh, so there's a lot of good things that are happening with Say yes as an employer um, and more to come. You know, we're going to continue to grow, Jay. Really? Yes.
0: 200 to what? Where, where could, you, where could the Say Yes end up with its workforce? I mean, that's – you know, I That's think it depends thought. on
3: which portfolio items we grow. Like, okay. I think there's um, the three-year-old program right now and the apprenticeship work are growing portfolios for us. I think there's more we can do in workforce in addition to apprenticeship. I think there's quick pathways we can recruit into. Um, so those teams could grow. I would also note that we are looking at, you know, where else in the region to say yes makes sense. You know, is it a this could be a good fit in Niagara Falls, right? I mean, and, you know, I have the benefit to – move in a lot of areas and spaces in this town. And I don't take that lightly. I think I'm lucky to hear the voices I hear. Um, And one of my observations is when we can take a regional approach to problems and challenges and solutions, we can and should. And, you know, Niagara Falls could be a home for say yes, too. There's talented students there um, that will contribute to our local economy and our community. Sometimes the financial access to college is a barrier there. We know that. So could we be a good fit there? I think so. Uh, so, you know, you could see us grow in that way, too. Um, but all that's to be determined. I just know that as we do this work, we're not going to stay flat. We're going to continue to innovate and grow. And that often means more programs and more team members uh, to fill to fulfill our mission. I was
0: intrigued by how you described how you have the opportunity to move into a lot of different spaces. Uh, you probably have to wear a lot of hats as the executive director of this organization. For On one side, you're you're looking at the mechanics of things. We've talked quite a bit about uh, about the programs and where things go. But at the same time, funding is obviously a, a huge key element to this. Is That's something that you have to take on as well.
3: Yes. Um, you know, it was a big endowment campaign to start with. And, you know, outside of the culturals and the colleges and some healthcare systems, for a nonprofit, that was a big number here. But I, would th- I think we've been very effective in, well, I shouldn't say, I think I've seen that everybody... Is gotten behind Say Yes because we all wanted the same things and opportunity for young people. So, certainly, our investors, it was originally strangers helping strangers to build an endowment that large, deeply care about children in the city of Buffalo, want them all to reach their full potential, and we're willing to put a lot of money behind that. I mean, that's an incredible commitment that individuals were making. You know, we moved to the point where it is not strangers helping strangers any longer. I think just as important though as our public sector partners, and I'd like to speak on that for a okay. moment. I mean, when we launched Yes, the goal was that we would ultimately fundraise mostly from from private sector, and that we had asked our our public schools and the city of Buffalo and Erie County to, you know, provide supports for young people to help them on the pathway, which I had spoken about. And boy, have they delivered, right? I have a deep respect for the Buffalo Board of Education and the superintendent um, for the investments they've made. Um, equally grateful to the county executive and the mayor for the investments that they've made. We continue to have an advisory committee that meets monthly at this point, and working together at the table is the city. The county has representation from their social service department, and one of the deputy mayors attends. Uh, One of the lead cabinet members from the Buffalo Schools attends. Both unions attend. Uh, We've got philanthropic partners at the table. Both parent bodies are represented. We've got youth voice at the table with a student from Villa Maria College. We've got colleges at the table. The chief of staff for the majority leader and Senator Kennedy are at the table. And it is a team that comes together behind a common agenda, and that is more high school graduates, more post-secondary graduates, access to a good job. And time and time again, I have seen the leaders in our community work together behind those goals. Um, We can't tackle hard challenges alone, right? We all wanted more high school graduates, more post-secondary graduates, and good jobs in our community And I commend partners for doing that. So, you know, back to where you asked this, it's, um, you know, we develop authentic relationships with individuals and organizations and young people. We work to listen. Are we perfect? No. But it has helped us, you know, take on the lofty goals that we committed to over a decade ago. And I think it's also allowed us to grow, you know, as we've had some success and hired good people. You know, I think individuals and organizations have noticed that. Some of our best ideas at Say Yes come from in our organization, the three-year-old programming, when we added health home caseworkers, we do try to listen and adjust to the needs of students and families. And um, I think that has certainly helped us, and more importantly, helped young people and helped our region.
0: And if I'm not mistaken with the uh, New York State, just maybe in the last month, uh, $10 million investment into Say Yes as well, if I'm not mistaken with that regard. And also, I thought I read that the endowment was approaching $60 $60 million, 64 was like the target number to keep this in perpetuity?
3: Your numbers are spot on. And yes, uh, New York State just announced their second $10 million investment in the endowment. Uh, the remainder of the funding has come from Buffalo individuals, foundations. Um, I'll talk New York State in one moment. This was all seeded with a $15 million challenge investment, um, potentially a little bit higher depending on where we leave our campaign. But it was one anonymous individual that for every $3 we raised, um, the anonymous individual contributed a dollar, so you know at this point in time, if we've raised sixty million dollars, that in, that matching investments and closing in on the twenty million dollar range. So that's still going extremely generous, yes. Wow. And, um, and New York State has put twenty million dollars into the endowment at this point in time. You know, I credit uh, Senator Kennedy, the majority leader, and our governor for really supporting this in a in a big way. Um, it was a tremendous investment from the state, one that supports every student that graduates the public and charter schools. Again, in funding the apprenticeship, the certificate, the two-year degrees, the four-year degrees, and I think they're excellent public officials, and it's an example of great government.
0: So, take a time out on uh, what's next. We're talking with David Rust from uh, CS Buffalo. We've got a lot to talk about. This is what's next on WBFO.
2: Do you love theater? Can't get enough of Broadway shows? Join WBFO's Anthony Chase this January in New York City. For Kimberly Akimbo and Juliet, Back to the Future, A Beautiful Noise, and shut. Show tickets, hotel, travel, and select meals are included. Space is limited, so don't delay. January 22nd through the 26th. Call 716-630-3731 or email rsullivan at nyaa.com. Where do you go when you want news you can trust? WBFO, of course. And when you just want to catch up on the day's news, you can go to the WBFO Brief Podcast. Listen to the WBFO Brief every weekday wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you can always stay up to date with the news you need.
1: You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the talk to us option in the WBFO app and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's Next at wbfo.org. Together we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station.
0: And welcome back to What's Next. Our guest, David Rust, Executive Director of Say Yes Buffalo. Uh, We talked a little bit about fundraising going into the break. And one thing that uh, caught my eye on your website is the NYSUT Memorial Scholarship Fund for the Buffalo Victims and Families. That came out of the uh, 514 attack on the Jefferson Avenue tops, correct? Yes, it did. Um, I looked at the and there was a list of some of the donors I actually knew a few of the names. So it shows you, and, and I think, well, obviously your offices are less than a mile from that tops. You know, you talked about your workforce. I'm sure a lot of them, uh, come right from that neighborhood as well. Talk about that impact and what it must've been like to see that kind of outpouring turn into dollars for, for this effort.
3: Yeah, this was entirely generated by the New York State United Teachers Union, and contributions came in from literally every part of New York State. You know, NICE had approached us and asked if we would be willing to set an endowed scholarship fund aside for victims, relatives of the 514 Massacre at Tops. Of course, we were um, honored that they chose us, um, and the, the teachers unions throughout the state have contributed over $50,000 to an endowed fund. It's something that they intend to continue to commit to. Um, and we will be distributing those scholarships have started this fall to students.
0: What about uh, how life was on Jefferson Avenue there not long after 514 for you and for your staff? What was that like?
3: Hard, devastating. You know. um, our team was managing and staffing the emergency services in partnership with the county over at the Johnny B. Wiley. Our team was distributing food through the amazing work that Catherine Roberts was leading out of the Resource Council, you know, volunteering and showing up every day, helping with mental health services directly in the public schools for students that were impacted. Um, and I saw team members that I love and care about that were deeply wounded, and it took time, um, and I think continues to take time. So um, it was a tough time, Jay. You know, we had, re- we had chosen to relocate to Jefferson Avenue a number of years ago. Uh, the majority leader helped us secure the funds for our new office space on Jefferson. You know, we're next to Johnny B. Wiley, you know, a block up from Tops. Um you know, a professional moment that um, I don't think any of us will ever forget and something that we don't want to see again.
0: You uh, mentioned also um, during our time away there in the break that you are willing to talk about affirmative action, which is, of course, a a topic that um, is always discussed mean, has been discussed and, of course, ruled upon in the uh, Supreme Court as well. What are your thoughts? Talk to us about what you're seeing and, you know, maybe just to start a conversation about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd mentioned earlier, I think CS is there's a lot of division in the country right now that is clear. I think this ruling is another example of division. Um, but our goal is to bring people together, right, and give everybody the same opportunities, you know. Um, I think whether you are living in downtown Detroit or rural Ohio, everybody wants an opportunity and access to a good job. So I'll move into affirmative action for a moment here and why I think, you know, we want everyone to know that college is still for you, um, despite the ruling and that Intent or not, the action won't change locally. So we've got a number of colleges here that are deeply committed to diversity in all students on their campus. You know, I thought there were really strong quotes that came out post-ruling from Dr. Giordano, Villa Maria College, Dr. Stout at Canisius, from Dr. Durand, the interim president at Buffalo State College. Campus has always been for, for everyone. Um, you know, it's hard to hear in a country that hasn't been colorblind that this ruling is. So, you know, what are you able to do about those things? And I'd point to, so I started to look at states, for example, where affirmative action had been ruled against in the past. California, I think, is the prime example where immediately after the ruling, there was a significant dip. California has put robust college access programming for everyone, everyone, into their budget. Now they are back where they were pre ruling with, with access for everybody. So look at Buffalo. What do we have robustly? College access programming and a scholarship model that ensures higher ed is for everybody. So you know, while not ignoring the ruling, we have the infrastructure in place that will allow college access and higher ed to be for everybody here. You know, I think there's benefit too, and like life experience being shared in essays. You know, I think you saw Steve Stout at Uh, moved away from test scores at Canisius. I think it's good when people are able to tell their their life story in an essay as they look for access. So, you know, I'm confident because of what we have in place here that higher ed will be for everybody in the city and in the region.
0: Uh, You mentioned uh, Canisius going to more of an essay form of uh, admissions as well. Uh, What about from the Say Yes perspective when you're working with your scholars Finding the, the right match. Not every school is meant for every kid. I can imagine what it would be been like me for, for me at uh, some of these institutions um, that can be quite rigorous, maybe not uh, quite as forgiving to a freshman who goes uh, goes wayward for a little while. Uh, what about that? Uh, how does Say Yes to address that?
3: So we work closely with the counselors in the public schools who do good work on college and career match. I do think that's important. Um, You know, we also have career coaches that work in some of the schools, um, largely focused on recruiting for the apprenticeship program, but also with the ability to have a good conversation with students. You know, I think it's important that students visit some campuses, have the chance to see what's possible, and do some of their exploration to see what's a good fit for each student, whether that's a culinary program at SUNY Erie or some of the video game design that's taking place over at Villa or a, a teaching degree from Buffalo State. You know, talent discovery probably doesn't happen enough in urban communities, and I think it's our job to help ensure that happens more. You know, I look at you know the most recent labor market assessment that Invest Buffalo and Agra put out. One of their recommendations was corporate adoption of public schools and helping students understand careers earlier in or earlier in their life. I think it's a terrific idea and an opportunity that is there and tangible and something that we would like to help own as part of. You know a master plan around that labor market data so i think counselors are doing good work we are complementing that where we can but i think there's more that can be done there and again like corporate adoption of public schools you know what's a career in hr look like in accounting and graphic design and coding i mean you know i think that there's a push for us to be a tech community jay you can do this you can do anything and you're going to make a lot of money and have a good career So nothing but opportunity in front of us. I think it's how we align and coordinate our resources and think big, including more corporate adoption of public schools that can really help us get to a better sense of not just college match but career match. And
0: we most certainly hear enough stories about the idea that there are opportunities that can't be filled right now that the job force isn't quite ready for. Is that what you're finding as well?
3: The data we are seeing is 163,000 open jobs in the next decade, with two-thirds requiring a post-secondary credential. Um, We want to be a place that attracts people to move here. Realistically, that's one strategy. We also have to look at our Grow Our Own, and that is say, yes, Right, where is the largest concentration of youth in the region? It is in our urban markets. So we want our talented students who have potential to have the opportunity everybody else does. Um, and we've got to take a hard look at that labor market and ensure that we are aligning the resources, both systemically from a workforce perspective and the work we're doing to help students take on those good jobs.
0: Yeah, and again, back to it, I mean, we talked about trying to make that right fit for college, the right fit for that type of career. Uh, you know, it's, it is interesting to, to hear, you know, again, some of these training opportunities that are going unfulfilled for a variety of reasons as well for lack of a better term, are some of these careers just not making that connection with, you know, like you said, uh, the urban student uh, who, you know, I mean, whatever it is, some sort of trade, uh, you know, um, whatever the case may be, is there something missing there? Is is there a a disconnect between the two?
3: I think it's one of the areas where our segregation really shows up, right? Really? Yeah, I do. I mean, if you look at the composition of workspace and, and who is there. The segregation numbers show up there, and that's backed by the data. Um, you know, the question there is what do you do about it then, right? What's the solution? And, again, I fall back on. I was really impressed with what came out of the labor market assessment and some really strong recommendations about what we can do to have a thriving workforce and region 20 years from now. You know, and I think we need to think big. I think we've tried to think big at say yes. I think there's other examples of that. You know, I view the work of 43 North as important for – when people do want to come home or our students that are here now, like as some of those businesses go boom, right? You've got more accounting jobs, more finance jobs, more HR jobs, more IT jobs, more sales jobs. Like we need to grow our private sector. I think the work that m and has done and merging to become the 11th biggest bank in the country under Renee's, Renee's leadership is thinking big. And, you know, I think the most recent announcement coming out of the, the semiconductor opportunity and the chips and this being a corridor from Syracuse to Buffalo With lots of good-paying jobs, is thinking big and is important, and a lot of resources came from government on that. So, you know, I think strategies continue to think big. So we've got a robust private-sector workforce that can, um, and then strategies to help fill that job demand are really important. None of it is easy, Jay, but I do think you know we've got a chance to to look different in the next twenty years, and that's going to be a real gift for those that stay here and contribute to that.
0: You use the word uh, segregation, and you're just in our time together here. I can see your a positive person who's not going to take no for an answer. But at the same time, do you ever get any kind of, uh, I would like to use the word anecdotal, but just pushback against the concept of say yes, that there are are people that would look at say yes and say whatever negative about it. Do you ever uh, encounter any of that kind of thing?
3: Sure. I mean, I think there's- um, How does
0: it manifest itself? How can, can you tell us?
3: Well, I would just say people are willing to share feedback with me directly and I'm willing to receive it. You know, I think if we get into a position of not listening, you know, we're not going to be strong enough as an organization. I won't be a good enough leader. So um, you're accepting
0: it for what it is.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think we have to. You know, you can, I would say you can get it right or you can be right. Um, and I don't want to be right, I want to get it right. And that takes listening. That takes pivoting. That takes adjusting. That means listening to everybody. You know, the the listener today that might be outside the city or somebody that's in the city that is, uh, want has something to share, I'm willing to listen and adjust. You know, we want opportunity for everybody. I fall back to what I said earlier, right? We all want similar things regardless of where we are. And that's probably a safe street and uh, access to a good opportunity through education and a job. And we try to stay centered on that. And, um, Part of that is listening all the time, Jay. Well,
0: it's a nice attitude, and I wish uh, more more of us could uh, could take that, uh, David Rust. We're going to take a, a one more time out here and come back uh, with more on what's next. Our guest, again, David Rust, is the executive director of Say Yes, Buffalo, and this is What's Next on WBFO.
1: Birds, whether common or rare, delight me. That's what our new Now We're Birding and Enjoying Nature Club is all about. Oh, yes, and the best is being with people who are also interested in wildflowers, animals, and, of course, birds. Come along with us, won't you, Peter Hall and me, Stratton Rossen, as we lead monthly excursions to Tift or Rhinestein Woods Nature Preserves. To sign up, go to WNED.org front birding.
2: Hey, is this thing on? Test, test, one, two. Sounds great. Let's go. The podcast world is overflowing with more than 750,000 podcasts to choose from.
3: But for great local podcasts, you can now go to one place, the new Amplify BTPM Pods app. Here you can discover content produced in Western New York and Southern Ontario, our own backyard.
2: With a wide variety of genres to choose from, there is something for everyone.
3: Listen to the best independently produced podcasts in the region, anywhere, anytime.
2: Download the free Amplify BTPM Pods app wherever you get your apps and begin exploring your local podcast community now.
1: You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. If you have a story or concern that we should be addressing, email us using what's next at wbfo.org. Together we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station.
0: And welcome back to What's Next on WBFO. David Rust, our guest from Say Yes, Buffalo. Uh, quite a bit uh, that we've covered here in this uh, 45 minutes or so, with a little more time still to come. Uh, just skimming through your website uh, earlier seeing that you have an ambassador's program for Say Yes. What's an ambassador for Say Yes?
3: So one of my amazing colleagues, Maddie, launched this, relaunched this earlier this year, and it's bringing together Say Yes alumni to be ambassadors for the work, um, to talk directly to young people, to encourage those to invest in Say Yes through our endowment or other avenues. And it regularly brings together our talented alumni um, to talk, to, to meet each other, to build their own professional networks and also contribute in the ways that they can.
0: Do you find a lot of enthusiasm in that group?
3: It's amazing, yeah. I mean, the enthusiasm and energy from young people is critical in any organization and any type of ambassador-type work you're putting together. Um, You know, I'm a believer that energy gets you so far and you need infrastructure to last, right? And that can be all types of infrastructure. And that ambassador and the energy program and the energy we get from those young people is critical to our infrastructure and continuing to tell our story.
0: Do they come back and do they— Help inform you, perhaps, how do you can improve your program.
3: Sure. That's an avenue where we listen. They also talk with our investors and other young people about, you know, their pathways and stories they want to share.
0: Yeah. I'm just curious. Do you have any uh, a story that stands out to you? Maybe somebody who uh, maybe thought they weren't going to make it. And Say Yes gave them an opportunity, and they found their way.
3: There's a ton I could give. One I'll give is top of mind from last week, though. I was walking out of my office, and we have an apprentice at Say Yes, a young man named Fidel that's at uh, Villa Maria College, and he's working in our on our HR team a couple days a week right now. And he walked in, and he's taking two courses a week right now at Villa, and it was a Wednesday. And he was sad that he wasn't going to be able to go back to school till next week because <laughs> his next class wasn't until Monday. so. He was going to go back that afternoon and play some basketball and play pool in the, the cafeteria. But he had told me he wouldn't. He wasn't going to go to college. Okay. He didn't think it was for him and didn't see himself there. So now he's working a couple of days at Say Yes, going to college at Villa Maria. And in three years, he'll have a job in HR, a nice salary, and that certificate or two-year degree. That's top of mind because it just happened last week. And I hear stories like that all the time, Jay.
0: That's got to be incredibly inspiring.
3: Yeah. It's great. You don't never want to get up on a mountaintop when you're doing this work, right? You, <laughs> you want to stay connected. We all find I have to find our ways to stay connected. And it was, you know, a meaningful conversation with me. And it was it was great to hear.
0: You also have a mentors program at Say Yes. That uh, sounds somewhat, uh, I guess uh, self-described, but uh, let's get into that a little bit. Who are the mentors and say yes.
3: It is individuals with two- year degrees and four- year degrees that want to mentor, say yes, students that are on their college pathway. Okay. So it picks up where most mentoring programs drop off. They usually end around 18 years old. Um, this is somebody that works with students who may be first in their family go to go, go to college on you know time management, what does a bursar mm-hmm. mean? you know, all the questions we had going through college for the first time. Proven data behind that too. Students with a mentor are more likely to enroll in college, persist in college, and complete, based off our historical data in that program. So again, proving to be a good investment.
0: And uh, we talked about this a little bit before we went on the air, but just the idea of the value of college um, has it's 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 an odd kind of thing. Yeah. Looking from the from where I am, uh, how the world has changed. You know, it seemed to me when I was. Coming up through the 70s, um, there was no other option but to go to college. I mean, it just that just had to be the way it was. It just was going to be uh, the path for me. Um, and then to hear in recent years kind of a discounting of the value of college. Talk about where you sit with that, what you understand and what you're seeing.
3: So I'm going to point to some direct economic data, to say yes, but prior to that, I just want to acknowledge there's absolutely growing skepticism about the, value, the the value of college, in particular around boosting lifetime earnings. So there's some debate out there. I think a couple things that is largely attributed to the debt that students may be taking Certainly. on and families can amass. So I'm editorializing a bit here, but it is, I think it's become clear that programs that reduce or eliminate the debt burden of higher ed, and that support completion are important for making that college wealth premium real, and that is here. I see that our local institutions, you know, despite some of the debate, access to a degree is still the best opportunity to earn a job and make a sustainable wage that supports you and your family. And when it's backed by the good work happening here by our local institutions who do contribute financially to our students, you know, the 20 colleges locally in the consortium here are our investors and the students and the work we do invests in students, so that they are graduating with as little debt as possible, and that premium becomes very real. Um, I think another important point too is, you know, if you look at some of the changes we're seeing in higher ed, the Bureau of Labor data is calculating. I just want to get this right here that um, our economy still needs college graduates. You know, this is an economy that values two-year degrees and four-year degrees. You know, if we continue on the trend we're on, by the end of this decade, our economy is going to be down 8.5 million BA holders. Mm. who's going to take those jobs? Right, Those are good jobs. They're well-paying jobs. So I think if you look at our labor market, which is still calling for a large number of BAs and four-year degrees, backed by the fact that when you can reduce that burden, the college wealth premium is real, then it, I think, directly supports the need for our work and for a strong, healthy higher education community in any community, urban, rural. It's really important. And this is infrastructure and degree attainment that allows people to have a good life and thrive. So that's my data. You know, When you have these conversations, you try and back it with data. So despite the skepticism, it's still a really important pathway to a good wage and a good job.
0: This may not be your field of expertise, but you seem to be willing to take on just about anything I throw at you here today. (laughs) Um, Another part of that or subset of that criticism of college has been the uh, Really, the devaluing of a liberal arts education—that everything, if it's not STEM-based, it's not worthwhile—and we do, and we see it at local institutions. You know, the, the liberal arts elements fading away, getting eliminated, being uh, put put aside. The idea that the value of reading and writing and doing it well and doing it in an extensive way is again being devalued. What do you see? What What do you understand about that? I'd like to hear your thoughts.
3: Sure. I mean, there's I'm, as a comm undergrad, I fully understand, and the ability to read and write has helped me tremendously in my personal life and my professional life. They're important skill sets. Things change. You know, there's lots of texting yep. on phones, and that's okay. We got to move with the times. And, Absolutely. And you know, meet people where they are. I fall back to where I said earlier. Our economy is our economy here and the jobs available are the jobs available and the work that we're doing both in high school programs throughout the region and through colleges in the region. I think it's important that we align with the jobs that are available here. And many of those are coming in STEM fields and tech fields. There's a robust advanced manufacturing field. There's a lot of business operations jobs here. We have a thriving culinary field. You know, let's meet the jobs where they are and help people get on pathways to earn the degrees that are going to allow them to make that, that wage. I think there is value in reading and writing. I think it's important in anybody's job to tell their own story, to listen, to assess, to be able to write. And I think some of that married with uh, the technical skills to meet the needs of our changing economy is going to be really important. We can't stay flat, right? The world is changing. We need to move with it. We've got an opportunity to do that right now, Jay.
0: Uh, we, we haven't talked about it. where some of our Say Scholars are ending up. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 I, I, I'll let you talk about it because I bet this is a, a huge source of pride. Where are some of the, some of the institutions that Say uh, Yes uh, Scholars are ending up at?
3: It is. They're working at M&T Bank and Wegmans and Moog and Riches and Delaware North. I mean, all the big employers locally. We have many of them directly at Say some that are going into another nonprofit field, some that are working at colleges. So, you know, again, we've got 3,000-plus Alum at this point, many of them living and working here, and that was the end goal. And more to come on that, Jay. So it is absolutely a sense of satisfaction to see students complete that journey and get and get a job. What uh, about with a uh, lot more to come?
0: Yeah. What about the schools that they've been going to though? That's I, I want to hear more about that a little bit.
3: A lot of them stay local. You okay. Know, I'd say about seventy percent of our students are at Buffalo State University at Buffalo, um, SUNY Erie, Villa Maria College, Hilbert, Duville, That's encompassing about 70% of our students. You know, we have students that every year go to RIT and Syracuse University. We've got students right now that are at Brown, that are at Duke, that are at USC, um, you know, big national names. So, again, when we launched this, SAIS was meant to provide um, access for everybody and then choice. And by choice, I mean if you want to get a quick phlebotomy certificate to go work on the medical campus, that path is there for you. If you want to get an accounting degree, that path is there for you, and that's the choice. So, um, and we're continuing to grow the choice through the apprenticeship program, which I had mentioned. But yeah, there's um, some great local colleges, and yep. most of our students are going there. Eighty-seven percent of our students are staying local. If you push it out to Rochester, or Syracuse, it's about ninety-five percent. So again, good for our local economy. You know, money that is invested here, that is staying here, and our students that are staying here to work after that. Jay,
0: you'd be pleased though that one of my coworkers was uh, t- telling me about her uh, taking um, taking her her college-age uh, children around the New York State, visiting all these wonderful campuses, and reminding me that yeah, uh, there's an opportunity perhaps to get to if they, if uh, admissions there. Say Yes Buffalo will be there for them to help uh, fund the education. That's right, Jay. I bet you're going to be pleased about that for yeah. sure. Uh, just uh, just a final note. I mean, like you said, you're getting a lot of partnership, but there's more to come for Say Yes Buffalo. What needs to, you know, how does the community need to embrace Say Yes? What can the community do to help make uh, a difference for Say Yes moving forward?
3: I think there's two really important opportunities in front of us. One is successfully bringing this endowment campaign to closure. You know, we're close. We're within six or seven million of completing this. And again, that promise will be here forever. Buffalo will be known as a city that supports higher ed for all. I mean, think about those three-year-old classrooms that we've launched, our little scholars program. What an amazing gift knowing that when you walk in and see those three-year-olds, that their future, the the tuition, and in some cases more for their post-secondary opportunity is secured. And then second is the work that we are doing as we step into workforce. I think that that is very important, too. You know, we are definitely asking businesses to invest in our future labor market and employees. It's an investment as opposed to receiving. You know, it's a long-term talent strategy. You know, I look at at M&T, which is always recruited out of the Ivy Leagues, really talented people from across the country to come here and work here. Now they're also recruiting out of the Buffalo Public Schools, right? So you're bringing in people with different life experiences, valuing them and committing to them long-term. And given that labor market gap, which I had shared, you know, I think an investment is going to be necessary. A lot of businesses have stepped up to do this with us, and we're going to hope that more do so that we can continue to provide good job access for everybody.
0: Boy, I'd like to be around uh, 19 years from now when those three-year-olds are, uh, are graduating uh, from their, their their Say Yes, uh, uh, Say yes scholarships. Uh, just a final thought. Like you said, you like to hear from everybody and you just put a little pitch out there for employers who might want to get involved and and see what they can do and how they can partner with say what's the best way people can uh, go about and maybe spend a moment or two and pick your brain a little bit
3: sure you can reach us at org. our email address is right on there we're on social media handles and we can be called at 716-247-5310 j
0: and you're totally optimistic moving forward yeah no doubt well, David Rust, appreciate your time today.
3: Thanks, Jay. We can do we can do big things and hard things when we work together. I appreciate the time today and, uh, and I respect the work that you and your colleagues have taken on here on What's Next.
0: Well, thank you very much for, for saying that, and thanks to you and your uh, team for doing what you are doing for the students of the city of Buffalo. David Rust is the Executive Director of Say Yes Buffalo. This is What's Next on WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Only N, and WUBJ Jamestown. Your NPR station.